Quiet on the set. Action. Welcome to the Movie Machine Podcast, where we make a movie based on a random prompt on the internet. I am joined by three very talented industry professionals. Uh, our writer today is Kyle Decker, who is the Blink animator on Kubo and the Two Strings. Very nicely done. Our director, Tim Wick, who is Luke Cage's hairstylist. Yes, I am. And uh, our producer, Jacob Gulliver, who is the British accent removal coach on Doctor Strange. Yeah, I understand that's very hard because he is very British. Yes. All right. So something about the way his head is shaped just makes it very difficult. Right. But I think we pulled it out. Yeah. Uh, very. Well. I agree. You did a great job. So, based on the random prompt, we have a noir conspiracy. The main character, a narrow-minded daycare employee. <laughs> the major event of the story: treason. All right. So I'm envisioning a. Uh, this is it. I. I this is. I've been. I've been asked to make a prequel because you know Hollywood. They don't like new ideas. So this is gonna be a prequel of Daddy Daycare, with uh, but it's just gonna have Eddie Murphy. Hopefully, if we can get him on. If not, I'm just gonna write it as Eddie Murphy, and we'll get an Eddie Murphy clone or something. But it's gonna be a prequel to Daddy Daycare of the life of Daddy Daycare as when he's a spy. So he, movie's gonna start out with a classic James Bond cold open, with a big stunt piece. But the stunt piece is gonna take place at a Chuck E. Cheese. The big action shot is going to come when we blow up a ball pit. And then that that's going to kind of be... It sets the tone for the rest of the film. And then we have to figure out why our main character, the spy, has to become a daycare employee. Because initially he's just a, a, big, a, a government agent. Let's say CIA. CIA's classic will set it during the Cold War because it's a, a period. It's a prequel. And uh, after... Our cold open in the Chuck E. Cheese, we will cut to, or we'll have a scene with our agent being chided for blowing up a Chuck E. Cheese, and he is told to go undercover for potential child trafficking ring. So he goes undercover in a daycare facility and uh, is watching as a secret Russian uh, genetics uh, scientist is mining these daycare centers for bright children to take, harvest their DNA and cells to build Soviet super soldiers. And then, uh, what was the the end hook of the film? Or what was that? Uh, treason. Treason. And the end. Uh, you know, I'm just going to throw out the Daddy Gate Daycare because I like where the script is going with just the the period piece spy. He's going to regret. He realizes that the Soviet super soldier scientist is actually trying to cure cancer. And the minute he he decides to betray, he saves the children, but finds a way to help the Nazi super soldier scientists because he knows curing cancer is for the good of humanity. And he becomes a fugitive from the CIA because of it. And the movie ends with him joining the KGB. All right. And I'm going to call this film In Father Russia Ellipses. That's the title of the film. All right. Well, uh, so (laughs) Kyle has finished his script. And sent it off to our director, Tim Wick. 
So, how do you envision this movie going? My God, I you know I don't want to change a thing about Kyle's vision because it's brilliant. Everything that I'm going to do is going to accent what Kyle talked about here today. So, the first thing we're going to do this is noir. So, what we're going to do? We're not going to shoot it in black and white. We're not going to shoot it in black and white. We're going to shoot it in color, and then we're going to hand black and white every frame of the film. So that's going to give it sort of a natural old school kind of look. I love the idea, Eddie Murphy, but I know Eddie Murphy. He and I are great friends. I do his hair too. And uh, he's busy. He's busy. We can't get him. So I'm going to get the actor that, that you get when you can't get Eddie Murphy. That's Jesse Eisenberg. So Jesse Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg is going to be our, our main character. He's going to be our, our super soldier spy. He's not going to be our Nazi spy. He's going to be our super soldier spy. The Nazi spy, only one person can play a Nazi spy. That's Catherine Zeta-Jones. So, uh, and uh, I realize I realize that it's a little weird to maybe doing the cross-casting of casting a male role with a woman, but that's who I am. That's who I am. I don't see gender. I don't see gender. So so that's what we got to have. We got to have Jesse Eisenberg. We got to have Catherine Zeta-Jones. And then we're going to shoot the whole thing. We're going to shoot it in color, but we're going to hand black and white. And now I know we talked about a lot of this happening in Russia. And I think uh, that's that's brilliant. I think this, this should happen in Russia. But what we're going to do, what we're going to do, we're going to shoot it in New York. We're going to shoot the whole thing on the streets in New York. We're not even going to hide the fact that it's the streets of New York. So what it's gonna be like is our main character is gonna be in Russia, but it's gonna look like New York. It's gonna look like New York. He's gonna be going through the whole film thinking that he's that he's in New York, but he's not. He's in Russia, and that's part of the whole thing. That's part of the whole conspiracy. Our Nazi Russian spy super genius has managed to create a town on the ruins of Chernobyl that looks exactly like New York City. And that's that's how that so it's tragic. It's tragic. That's the thing. That's how I that's how our Jesse Eisenberg, that's how our Jesse Eisenberg character ends up crossing over to become a member of the KGB. He doesn't even realize he's doing it. He thinks he's just joining the NYPD. So at the end of the movie, he's putting on the NYPD, the NYPD blues, and then the camera, it closes in really, really close on that NYPD badge that he's wearing on his chest. And it goes right down to the bottom and you can see in really tiny little gold letters, KGB. And then we got a sting and we got a sequel. I mean, what's better than that? What's better than that? This is gonna be brilliant. I am so excited to be doing this. I, I just, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with it. I'm in love with it. All right. So, shooting has begun, um, or is about to begin. you goddamn um, right. However, we'd like to talk to our producer first, and about where he sees this is going. Yeah, you know, Hollywood has a, a problem right now. You know, I've, I've been handed several memos over the past few months, uh, letting me know from the rest of the, the studio and some of the other studios, whitewashing is a problem in Hollywood, and apparently people don't like it when we do that. Now, this is a movie that's about white people, as far as I can tell, given the script and everything you've done this far. You've removed the only person of color, which is an interesting choice. So I, th I think what I'm going to do is, since this is a problem, we want to address it. I can't whitewash it. I think we're going to Asian wash this movie. I want every primary actor to be played by a person of Asian descent. Um, even I, the Russians? Even the Russians, yeah. I would like to not use any any anyone other than Asian people. You just just to be safe, we should not mention at any point in the script or in the story their race in any way, because I've been told that's a bad thing. So 
I think it's just going to be Asian people. I mean, get you can call whoever you want. I I'll leave that up to you to get for these roles. You know, I, I believe I can market a movie on controversy because this is definitely going to be something that's controversial. Like, there's a reason Uva Bull survived so long as a director it was because people came to see his shitty movies. I don't necessarily think this movie is going to be shitty because it's it's sounding pretty good from that pitch you gave me, but this is a little bit of a turn. So I'm thinking there's going to be, you know, angry people of European descent who are going to boycott the movie and are going to yell about it. And that's just going to make the more progressive people in the world come out and support it and say, hey, look, we're taking this and it's progressive. It's something cool and new and exciting we can do. We'll jump in and do it. We'll support this movie. I think that's only going to make this a little bit bigger of a picture. You know, I'm, I'm also really glad that you got rid of the daddy daycare bit because... I, I did a little bit of market research. I went and looked at the demographic for Daddy Daycare. And it turns out nobody who was involved with Daddy Daycare or anyone who saw Daddy Daycare wants any more Daddy Daycare. So I'm glad we got rid of that because that, that seems to be showing us the correct data here. Um, I'm a little interested to find out about the soundtrack for this film. So uh, if you guys can start working on that, I think that would be a, a big deal to a lot of people. But uh, right now, I'm, I'm pretty good with what we've got. I kind of want to see another draft before I give you firm yes or no on everything. And then uh, I'm going to give you a good mid-range budget. We're going to give you about $70 million. Mm-hmm. All right, Kyle, you've, your director is already on it. Uh, your producer has assigned a budget. Would you like to make any changes to your script right now? Uh, I'm going to change the title with, with the revelation that it's a Russian clone of New York. I want to change the title to Nyet New York. I think that's I a, love that. Yeah, that's I love a, that. It's a great it's alliteration. It's and you know, people with all the Asian actors, they'll just be very confused and then they'll never see this the twists until the end. I'm going to write our, our our lead character. I'm going to I'm going to tweak it so I'm not going to acknowledge race, but I'm acknowledge age. I'm going to make him an older Asian kind of near retirement, so maybe we can get a, a Jackie Chan or a Chow Young Fat type actor in that role. I'll let the ultimately let the director, but I'm gonna kinda tweak it to where he's, you know, near retirement. He maybe he's a little little slower at running and whatever all this you know, I'll write a scene where he can't quite take out some of these younger bad guys, not because he lacks the skill, but he, his body is, it has betrayed him. We'll have that kind of theme of that's that's why he joins the New York police department, which actually is the KGB. So it gives us a reason for him to make his turn. So it becomes even more tragic. than He just wanted to retire to an easier job from being a CIA spy. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be a cop. I'm going to join the community. And then it turns out, oh, no, I, I joined what I fought all along, and it's tragic, and it's treason. I'm also going to add on the second character, because right now, the, the it's very tragic, so we got to lighten it up a little bit so people don't get too... We don't want to grind people's souls away, so I'm going to add a, a chirpy sidekick character mm-hmm. who's a young up-and-coming agent who is there to assist our main character... Uh, I don't know what... I, let's give them the most generic non-racial name. So, uh, uh, Jed Smith for the main character and Jimmy Stevens for the sidekick because those are very generic names. And we no one will say we're acknowledging race when we have names like that for Asian actors. And this young, this young up-and-comer is going to kind of see our main characters fall from grace and he's really going to try and stop it. Uh, but we're going to double up strategy because the uh, Soviet super soldier scientist 
character is going to have to kill the young sidekick, and that's going to be our high moment. That's going to be the pinnacle. Um, that's going to be our third act's climax point, is the young character getting killed by the Soviet scientists, which leads to our turn to discover that our main character becomes a KGB agent unwittingly, which sets up the sequel for our main character to get out of the KGB and get out of this treasonous trap he's been set in and clear his name and, and revenge his young sidekick that was killed. All right. So, Tim, there's some changes to the script. Yeah. Some orders about changing in actors as well. Yeah. Uh, so, how are you going to take this? Well, all these changes are perfect. I can, I can work <coughs> with all of them. It's not a problem. Now, I, I like the idea of a Jackie Chan kind of character, but I, I got to be honest with you with what you're talking about, with what he's talking about here. I think Jackie Chan's a little too young. So, here's my idea. We're going to put our lead. We're going to cast our lead as George Takei. That's who's, our, who's going to be our lead. He's going to be our, our spy. He's going to be very old because George Takei, as you know, is very old. But he's still got, he's still got, he's still got some moves. He's still got enough moves, I think, to make this work. And he's going to be going up against uh, this. And this is brilliant. I got to tell you, this is brilliant. We are looking for an Asian actor, right? We're looking for an Asian actor for our mastermind. And we're worried, we're worried about whitewashing. Well, I have the perfect choice. How about somebody who is Asian and also African-American. I think you know who I'm talking about. Tiger Woods, that's right. His golf career is over. His golf career is over. He needs to do something else. So he's going to act. And he is both Asian and African-American. How, how non-racist can you get? That is going to be perfect. Now, uh, I think, that, and I've got the perfect choice for the young sidekick. Of course, it's John Cho because this is, this is amazing, right? We're going to go with old Sulu and young Sulu. Old Sulu and Young Sulu. Now, now we got to go back to a minute. Now, I, I, you know, again, we're going to set the whole thing in New York. We got Tiger Woods, and we got to take advantage of his unique set of skills. And that means that we're going to have to invent a brand new martial art for him to be an expert in, which is golf foo. That's right. That's golf foo. And what he does is he fights with golf clubs and with golf balls and with golf towels. That's right. I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, can can we get Tiger Woods to do that kind of martial arts in that amount of time? It's like no problem. A week of intense training with the, I've got some very very good, very very good fight choreographers. They can train Tiger to do anything because literally Tiger can do anything. Did you see the commercial? The one commercial he had where he was playing golf. It's going to be just like that commercial where Tiger Woods was playing golf. And then uh, then what we're going to do? George Takei, obviously very old, very tired, and we can work in. We can work in just a little bit just as, as backstory we're going to work in something about the japanese american internment camps because decay obviously he was in a japanese american internment camp this is something that's very important to him so there's a social conscious message to this entire and of course having been in a japanese internment camp that's one of the things that turns him off to the government of the united states and makes him interested in joining the kgb of course he's a little upset when john cho is killed but we can get past that we can work that out. I, I trust I trust our writer. I trust Kyle implicitly. This is going to be brilliant. It's going to be the biggest film that I have ever made. It is going to gross $100 billion. All right. So, Jacob, where are you stand on this? Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I specifically forbid mentioning that any of the actors were Asian in the story and in the script. So, I am going to have to cut that bit out. Um, the internment camp bit? Correct. Oh, yes. God damn it. I do. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <clears throat> I do love George Takei. I do love John Cho. 
Tiger Woods is a little unusual. Have you seen him now, though? Like he's like grown like an evil yeah. mastermind beard. Now. You got to trust I'm me sure. on this. You got to trust me on this. He's going to be brilliant. Okay. All right. I will. I will trust you on that. What I would like to do is um, also add in Ken Watanabe. Mm. Um, he he's worked for you know a lot of big names around Hollywood, particularly movies that. Um, you know, tend to generate a little bit more class. I think you will add a little bit element of class, a little bit more intensity. So if you guys could find a role for him, that would be really good. I was kind of thinking maybe, um, you know, maybe the general who's like overseeing this operation or some like upwards military figure like a, you know, retired spy or something like that. Maybe you can work him in somewhere. I do think that we should also, if we're going to get into kind of the super science area, we should play that up a little bit. So maybe if we could get some, you know, fun little like action scenes. We don't want to go like too far into it. We don't want to get into like the cartoony Marvel area with, you know, like overblown set pieces and stuff. But we do want to get some super science in there so that we can see our super soldiers in action. Get a little bit of action pieces that fill the seats when we see the trailers. I did a little bit of thinking and I think we're going to pull Howard Shore for this soundtrack. I think he's got a, a good sense of scope and scale. And he can make something, even if it's, you know, a little bit simpler on screen, seem like it's really big, really exciting, really fun. I have done some, some more market research, and not everybody's on board with, with my idea thus far. And, you know, I think that's okay. Because, again, I believe we can sell this movie on the, the controversy idea. I have told all of our actors, in addition to not being, not being referenced in the script, none of our actors are allowed to comment on the casting of Asian actors in these roles in their interviews, it's in their contracts. So as we're leading up to the movie, when people are asking those kinds of questions, they will not be allowed to answer those under some serious legal ramifications. So if they do, that's fine. We're just gonna rake in tons and tons of money off of them. They will owe the studio a large sum of money at that point. And we can get them to do more movies for free. Exactly. So, and that's, you know, that can only benefit us in the end. I'm looking at getting this into a couple festivals as well. Um, I've, I've heard some, you know, good, good rumors from various different festivals around the world. There's a Mexican film festival that wants us to come. Uh, there's a festival in Australia. It's looking pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're on the right track. I think this thing is going to work. All right. So, based on the data I have so far, I'm going to put it in our... Niet, oh. New York. Yet yeah, New, New York, New York. Yeah, New York, into our borderline omniscient uh, movie machine, and uh, so some interesting things happen. So first off, Kyle, you need to keep your uh, script safer because the original draft of Daddy Daycare script did get leaked, uh -huh. and Sony Pictures did make that movie also, which came out around the same time. Well, I mean, uh, but I get residuals for that. Uh, so. Well, it was an uncopyright version. Yeah, well, you never got the rights to Daddy Daycare, and Sony grabbed those rights. So, but the point is, you're in competition with your Daddy Daycare, also spy movie. However, I knew um, Eddie Murphy was going to kill it. That being said, uh, so a couple things. First off, you want to sell it on controversy. It turns out, actually, no one cared about this movie enough to get angry about. What? Um, That's ridiculous. Fortunately, a bunch of people did come just to see George Takei, who in retrospect clearly wasn't taking it too seriously, so was hamming it up the whole time, so it got really mimetic. Unfortunately, a huge amount of those views also just came from people posting the George Decay clips on YouTube. So unfortunately, uh, critics weren't exactly sure what the plot of the movie was. I put lots of plot. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of the problem. <laughs> like, no one was quite sure why anyone was doing what they were doing. 
So people were kind of confused and you made about maybe half your budget back. Hmm. However, because we apparently have time travel magic, you have two minutes each to make a change to your film to try right. to make this more successful. So I know exactly how we're going to make this film make some money. Mm -hmm. So we're going to play up George Takei's internet fame even more. We're going to give him... We're going to let him say, oh my, at least twice in the film. I'm going to put two opportunities for him to say that. I'm going to have him narrate the film as well. So we just have his dulcet tones narrating. You know, it'll, he'll be looking back. He'll be telling about how he became a KGB spy. He'll be telling, like, his next partner or something. Or just talking to the audience. I don't care. He can break the fourth wall. People love George Takei. So we'll just get his dulcet tones and we'll just... We'll write more scenes letting him just chew scenery all over. And then ultimately, the main reason, I, I can't believe the critics lost this part, the main reason he's going through all this, he's trying to find a cure for cancer because he loves people. Because everyone agrees that George Takei is one of the most lovable people on the internet. Um, that's why our director cast him, because he's so lovable. And so we're just going to, I'm going to ramp up the George Takei-ness in the script. I'm going to write, I'm going to take out half of... Jonathan Cho's lines and make them George Takei lines. And then I'm gonna send my proposal, this came up for a whole line of George Takei catchphrase t-shirts from the film. And that's how we're gonna make our money, through selling t-shirts and cozies and all kinds of stuff with all his new catch. He's gonna have more than oh my after this movie's over. He's gonna have, you know, um, I'm above the law and some other catchphrases that come from this or I will beat cancer. I think that's one of his catchphrases. But, you know, we'll let him improv some of them. You know, it'll happen organically. And we'll put them on t-shirts and we'll just rake in so much money selling t-shirts and memorabilia with George Takei's catchphrases that we don't have to worry about box office at all. All right, Tim? Well, of course, first off, I want to make it clear I'm an artist. I don't care about money. That's not my problem. My problem is making a good movie. I do feel I made a good movie. But I think, you know, the, the, the problem that we had is we saw... George and I can call him George. We're good friends. So George and I, George and I saw that there was an opportunity to really camp up his role, and we did that. But what we didn't do, what we failed to do, was camp up the rest of the movie to match. And that was especially a problem with Tiger. Tiger, you know, it was his first film. It was his first film, and he he did well. He did very well. But but we let him just be a serious actor because that's he, that's what he wanted to try. And uh, what we should have done is we should have worked more on camping up the Tiger Woods aspect. I mean. The golf, the golf foo was was inherently rather silly, and we tried to play it serious. And I think I think that was something of a mistake. Uh, and I also think, you know, in retrospect, the fact there was no controversy tells me we put we put the Japanese internment camp back in there, and it provides a stark contrast between the campiness of the rest of the movie and the serious underpinnings of George Takei's character. I think if, if, we, if we mix the camp with the serious underpinnings, and the serious underpinnings are important, even in camp, there's gotta be some underpinnings that are serious. I mean, George, John Cho's character is gonna die. He's gonna die, and that's gonna be sad, no matter how campy he has been, up to that point. So, if we do the serious underpinnings with the the Japanese American internment camps, then when John Cho dies, there's that moment where you you're like pulling the rug out from under the audience. They're like, "Oh, I've been laughing, I've been having a good time," and they just killed somebody I care about, somebody I love. And when you kill somebody they love, then they they recognize that they are watching something great. And and maybe the money doesn't come right away, but the Oscar nominations come right away. And if you get Oscar nominations, then you make money. 
Alright, and Jacob? You know, guys, I think we're finally on the same page about this movie. I think we're, we're finally in the right place. I think I can give you guys a couple more tools to, to get this going in the direction we want. I completely agree we need to up, like, the campy factor, get some more, like, goofiness in there. Because before it seems like people just ignored it and we want something that's a little bit more of, like, a spectacle. That's something. We don't want to go the action route. We want to go, like, the wacky adventure spectacle. So what I'm thinking, uh, Kyle, I've hired Thomas Middleditch and TJ Miller from Silicon Valley to come on and do some do some one-liners with you, like help write some some like goofier scenes. Actually, TJ came up with a really great scene where uh, John Cho is fighting another like a KGB agent with in, with golf fu with right? golf fu. Yeah, and they both get disarmed at the same time. And then they have a dance-off together to determine who's who's going to win this battle. Oh my god, I love that. So I think that's going to work really, really well. Um, Howard Shore has been great about writing some music for that. It's, it's actually turning out really, really nice. I think it's going to work really good. And then the other thing that I did, I hired the, the Kung Fury guy, David something or other from... Uh, Scandinavia. He's gonna do some special effects for us. Mm. So some of like the super soldier stuff or like the campy, you know, fight scenes and things. We're gonna amp it up with a little bit of like cheesy B movie special effects to make it, you know, to really sell that like camp factor and get people excited about this movie. I think with with those couple of things in there, I think the focus groups are really gonna like this one, and I think we're gonna be pretty comfortable to release it. Other than that, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Ken Watanabe has unfortunately backed out because since we've upped the camp, he's kind of a classy guy. He doesn't really do comedy a whole lot, uh, so that's unfortunate. But uh, you know, that's a little bit more. Yeah, more money I, I forgot he was even in the movie. That's my bad. So that's that's okay. You know, not a <laughs> not a huge deal. I'll stick it right right where it is with those changes, and I think we'll be we'll be good. All right. So, yeah, uh, with those changes, you do definitely make about your money back. You still can't beat Daddy Daycare prequel, but that is also unbeatable three weeks top box office. But my marketing research. Oh, no, don't worry. But no, 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 you did fine. The movie did fine. Just Daddy Daycare, you know. Oscar nominations. That's where it's at. So, um, you get an Oscar, you can make a bad sales good. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, then we made it actually bad. that made more money than the movie yeah, did. did. And with that said, we are going to end, as we always do, with a quote from our patron Saint Guy Fieri. Better keep this door locked. There's bears around here. Brilliant. <laughs>